Good morning, good evening, or good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to From Bob's Zoom office. It's a rainy Wednesday, April 8th, at roughly 11.34, yep, 11.34 a.m. I'm Jake Mathis, and sitting here with me... I'm Jacob Bomber, and the next voice you hear belongs to probably my favorite follow on Twitter. She is in her fifth year at CSULB, where she is studying environmental science and policy and playing Ultimate, at least when she feels like it. Jake knows her from her days as a pizza extraordinaire at Pyology. Ladies and gentlemen, Katie Reese Drozd. Hello. Good morning. All right, Jake. How's life been lately? What's You know, life has been a slow snail of a pace. Um, as opposed to a fast snail? Yes. <laughs> have you not seen the movie Turbo? Um, Do I have to answer that? <laughs> Good point. Um, I've found a new TV show, not really new. It's pretty it, – it came out a few years ago now, but or it stopped a few years ago, but it's now on Netflix, and I've been binging it, and I really enjoy it. It's called The Community, and there's a lot of really funny people in it and just a lot of entertainment where I find myself laughing really loud at, like, 2 in the morning and getting the door knocked on being like, can you go to sleep? I'm like, I guess. <laughs> Um, they, they literally come in and knock on your door and tell you to shut up? It's only happened twice, but yeah. <laughs> I am um, shocked that hasn't happened at my house because I'm consistently doing the same thing. And then, like, days later, they'll be like, yeah, you were laughing at something. You were laughing so loud the other night. I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> but no one knocks or texts or anything. So. Yeah, I don't, I've only gotten it, like, once or twice, ever. So I, I think I'm on a good track run still. Um other than that, you know, I've been chilling. Uh, I had my first Chipotle bowl like two days ago. No, nope, last week. So I, I had my first ever Chipotle. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, Jake does not like Chipotle. He had, you'd never had it at all, right? Until yeah, that was my first time ever having it. Was I, I don't remember what day it was now. but Not just the bowl. That was the first time he's ever had Chipotle. That's kind of incredible. Yeah, I, it, it I enjoyed really it. Is. I, I was just looking through, like, all the food options and, like, because I was, like, ordering from um, Grubhub, and I was, like, was it Grubhub? No, it was Postmate. It was one of them. You know, there's, like, 15 of them now. Um, I was, like, scrolling through them, and I was trying to figure out something that, like, I didn't want anything, like, super greasy and, like, super bad for me, which is a really good step for me because normally I'm the opposite. And <laughs> I was, like, you know what? I'm finally going to bite the bullet. I'm going to try it. And I got a bowl with some white rice and some beans and some corn salsa and some chicken and a lot of cheese. And I really enjoyed it. So hopefully you're not hungry listening to this. Cause now you're definitely hungry. I am. And I'm thinking about ordering something to eat now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'll definitely order them again. And I also, their chips are really good. So, uh, shout out Chipotle. Uh, let me know if you want to sponsor. Yeah, this episode, not officially sponsored by Chipotle, but we'd be more than happy to accept anything from them. Yeah. Is that a, is that your update? Yeah, man. I, someone send me a new candle. I burnt out my candle. Like, <laughs> almost is completely done. It's kind of sad. I like a candle at night when I play games because it, it's relaxing. You can actually, like, reuse your candle wax if it's not completely, completely gone. I am going to do that. Because I have two candles that are, like, very low, but there's still some. So 
they all just combine them. Yeah, just like is, a quick like YouTube search, you'll get some good tutorials on that. Is there a process for like solidifying it again? It no, tries. It just yeah, it just hardens up on its own. Have you never put your finger in like hot wax? No. <laughs> You're a maniac. It, I'm the it, maniac. It like, dries so I fast. Put my finger in hot wax. Have you never? Well, it, three people here have put their finger in hot wax, so you're the outlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. You you put it in and then you take it out and like you have it like hardened all around your finger, and then you take it off and your skin is so smooth. So it's like an exfoliation process. Yeah, <laughs> except I wouldn't put it on your face. That would probably hurt quite a bit. <laughs> but hands, all for it. It's like glue, like when you put glue on your hands. But then wouldn't it, so we're getting into, uh, neither of us are clearly candle experts. I don't know if Reese is. Once it burns, like, doesn't it just do that every day where it's burning and so the top layer is, like, all liquid by the time? I I don't know. I haven't burned a candle in a long time, so I probably sound like an idiot. (laughs) No, it comes solid again. Yeah, the wax doesn't evaporate. It just, like, some of it burns off, but then the stuff that's melted will solidify i mean so then once he gets to the bottom then it's done right but a lot of people burn out their wick before they run out of wick. yeah uh, my problem is that my wick looks really bad you can also order wicks for super cheap on amazon Ooh. well there you go I think I it got, just like, won't come till may <laughs> candles aren't super high on the essentials right now so you might not get that for a while True. I'm a big candler. Well, this is my life. <laughs> if you have a spare candle at home and you want to send it to Jake, send it to Jake Mathis at Cerritos, <laughs> and maybe it'll get there. I mean, I if you DM me, I will probably respond with, it. but I also do not know the address, so I'll have to figure that out. <laughs> How long have you been living there now? You tell me. Every day feels like the same. <laughs> I think it's been three weeks. Have you been there oh. for three whole weeks? Yeah, I haven't left. I've left like two times to go to my actual house to get laundry and walk around the block. Uh, You're doing great, Jake. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> is it my turn now? Are you? I would assume so. Okay, well, I didn't know if you had some other, like, ace in the hole you were waiting to just play on us. Um, I have just been watching a lot of movies. I told Jake earlier, I in the last two days, I've watched six and a half movies. Um, I Yeah, this is my life. So just sitting, I have my card table in my bedroom. And I have my monitor on it so that when I play video games, I just plug them into my monitor. Um, But I play the videos, I play the movies on my TV and I'm going through all of my movies alphabetically. And I haven't counted in a while, but I'm pretty sure it's upwards of 350 movies that I own, DVDs and Blu-rays. And so I started a long time ago with them going alphabetically. For the purpose of a lot of times I'll be in the mood to watch a movie and then I'll look at all my movies and think like, okay, I'm going to pick a movie to watch. 
And I literally go through the entire list, probably three or four times, just looking at everything. And I'll make a top five. And then I'll just be like, you know what? I don't know what I want. Hmm. And I hate that because I own these movies so that I'll watch them. So I just decided, you know what? I'm just going to go in alphabetical order. And whichever movie is up next, that's the movie I'm watching. And <laughs> I can do that because I don't have to be in the mood to watch a certain movie. Like whatever movie is up next, that's what I'm going to watch. So for instance, yesterday I watched August Rush and then I watched The Avengers. <laughs> Those two are not similar in any way, shape, or form. And it was very easy for me to shift my, you know, emotional state to watch both of them. So I don't know what August Rush is. Yeah, I was going to say, I've never heard of that movie. Oh my gosh. Well, okay. It, I'm not going to hold that against either of you because it came out in 2008. So seven. <sighs> seven what? 2007. <laughs> are you sure? I'm on like the the Wikipedia or the IMDb reading about it. Oh well, so it's got Freddie Highmore, and he plays the main character, kid named August Rush, who his parents are two brilliant musicians. His dad is played by Jonathan Reese Myers, who is known for The Tudors, um, and I can't remember what else. And then Carrie Russell is his mom. And they have like a one night fling and she gets pregnant from it, but she is a expert cellist. And so she's in an accident and her dad tells her that the baby died, but the baby didn't die. And so the baby was taken to this like orphanage and turns out the kid is a musical prodigy. And the story is just about the three of them reuniting while August is this musical genius. And it is one of my favorite soundtracks to listen to. Um, the songs in it are good and just the, uh, the score that happens along the way is pretty good. So uh, that's a great movie. And it's one of, I, if anyone is interested, I tweet along as I watch the movies. Oh, I and see. so, <laughs> so my one about August Rush, the like big climactic scene, um, the kid August has composed this musical piece for an orchestra and it's called August Rhapsody. And so I tweeted the beginning of this song always gives me goosebumps. And the end of the song always makes me cry because <laughs> it's literally the end of the movie. And, and it's great. And then I put in the Avengers and I'm, I was just laughing because the Avengers is a fantastic movie. The first one I, so next on the list is, Age of Ultron, and then Infinity War, and then Endgame. So, oh boy, it's gonna be an, be an action-packed next couple of days. <laughs> Those are so, big movies too. I know. So it's really weird emotions. watching. It's really weird watching the Marvel movies out of order because I just watched Ant Man two days ago, the and best. so I, I have to like mentally place the things in the right spot. Um, because like Captain America is gonna be coming up in about twenty movies, so I'm gonna have to. Get ready for that too. I love Ant Man. That's my favorite superhero. I Luis telling stories is the best part. Paul yes. Rudd is the best part. Paul Rudd's so good. Paul yeah. Rudd turned fifty one like yesterday or something. That is crazy to think. That He's man does not look fifty one. Yeah, sneaky old. Mm-hmm. So 
yeah, I've been doing puzzles. I've got this new complicated puzzle in front of me that's taking a long time. I've played some video games over the weekend, started back on Madden. And nice. I was playing really well early on against this one kid, Tucker. Uh, he won the first game, and then I won the next four, and then he won the next three. So we're currently tied 4-4, and we haven't had a ninth game in a couple of days. So we got to What's the straight playing on? What? Oh, uh, I play. So here's the problem. I play against him on Xbox, but I play against another kid, Cameron, on PlayStation. Hmm. And that wouldn't be too much of a problem if the X buttons weren't in different spots. <laughs> so I frequently, uh, frequently, there are a couple times a game where I will press the wrong button and that has cost me multiple games. So I want to play. That gets annoying. I'm down. Uh, just, you know, hit me up. <laughs> eh, we'll see. Um, <laughs> I, Cody wrecked me the other day. We, I can't, it's hard for me to play in person because I have to look at my plays and figure stuff out. And so you can't like bring up your play and look at it because then the other person in the room can look at it. Yeah. So that screws me up. So I'm much better online than I am in person, but I still struggle. Anyway, that's. Yeah, and I'm reading, I think this will be interesting based on maybe the conversation we have later and not as interesting as it could be because I'm not that far into it, but I'm reading State of Fear by Michael Crichton. Have you heard of it, Reese? I have not. So Michael Crichton is the same guy who wrote like Jurassic Park and Congo and some of those things, Sphere. Um, and so this book is about um, climate change and it gets into a lot of details regarding it, but it's like the premise of it is there is some kind of lawsuit going on. And so they're bringing in all this information from all these different areas. It was written in 2004. So it's a little outdated compared to what information we have now, 16 years later. But um, so far it's pretty interesting. It's just very long. It's 700 pages. Wow. <laughs> but it's, it's thin, like, if you're holding it, it's not, it's thick because there's a lot of pages, obviously, but there's a lot of pages because it's thin, like left to right, laterally. It's lateral width is not very large. So the pages go pretty quick because mm -hmm. the writing isn't that big either. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. I love Michael Crichton's reading. I just read Airframe by him last week. Um, anyway, so. That's been my time. That's going to be my time watching a lot of watching a lot of movies, reading a lot of books, playing some video games here and there. So sounds pretty standard. Um, yep. What have you been up to? Not much. I moved from my apartment in Long Beach. Well, like halfway moved back into my parents' house in um, Chino Hills. So I'm currently. Living and sleeping in part of a garage, which oh. is cool. Um, my, so like my whole family, there's my parents and then four kids. And my older sister is married and has a like six week old baby. And we're all here. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's a full house, but it's kind of, I don't know. It has its ups and downs, obviously, like just with that many people in one place. Yeah. 
but it's all family. It's not like roommates. So that's easier. Um, I was on a pullout couch for a good like week and a half, I think, before my dad took his drum set out of this like room that they had attached <laughs> to their garage and then put a mattress and some other stuff in here for me. So I have my own space now, which is cool. Um, I've been reading quite a bit. I'm reading wild right now. I think Stitch mentioned the, the book club that we're in. Oh yeah. I don't know. Like she's, I guess she's not technically in it yet because she reads alongside us, but isn't reading the same book as us. Um, but she will be with the next book and then we're almost done with wild, which is, I've read like, this is probably my fourth time reading it. I love that book so much. It's about a girl who has like a very tragic life and upbringing. And then she just goes through all of this crazy stuff and then decides to hike the Pacific crest trail, which is like, I think it's like 2,400 miles long from, Mexico to Canada she does she intends to only do California but it's just like her experience on the trail is really cool um just the things that she goes through and like the way that she learns to deal with certain situations is really interesting um is it biographical or is it fiction it's biographical wow so yeah she like she's actually writing like from her own perspective which is cool because the last book we read was into the wild yeah which I guess there's kind of a theme um, <laughs> of people just bit. going out and like being away from society, but that you is something you need to tell us, Reese. Are you planning something in the future? Actually, I do want to hike the PCT at some point, <laughs> so, but it's not going to be like a huge disappearance. It'll be <laughs> planned and well thought out and well set up, but that's like a life dream of mine. Uh, but yeah, so Reading Wild, it's a great book. Highly recommend it if you like books. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hanging out with my family has been cool. Um, I haven't really been watching a lot of movies or TV. I like never really did that like in the first place. I tried to watch The Witcher, but then I just lost interest like four episodes in. Oh. <laughs> Jake is a fan. I'm sorry, Jake. It's all right. Not for everyone. <laughs> but I also, like, I think my problem is that I try to watch movies and TVs, like, at night. But then I end up just falling asleep. Unless I'm, like, watching it with people. So I can't do it mm-hmm. alone. Yeah. Um, yeah, school has been interesting. Um, I only have one class that actually continues to meet. And I feel like I don't have the motivation to keep up with the reading from my other classes. So once I start seeing consequences from that, that'll be interesting for sure. <laughs> You're waiting until it shows that this is a bad strategy. <laughs> you'll adjust. You know, you know it's a bad strategy going in. You're just waiting for the repercussions to happen to motivate you. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's also <laughs> nobody else in my home right now is like, I think has as much like schoolwork to do. Like my sister and brother both have like assignments and stuff, but they'll like work on their homework for like 
an hour or two a day and then be done with it, which like I in theory could do, but I could also not do that (laughs) and just like hang out and read and like chill with my nephew and enjoy my life. But (laughs) (laughs) yeah, school's such a drag. (laughs) You would know if you did it for seven years. Uh, I, I mean, if you count all of the schooling, it adds up to a lot more than that. <laughs> 20, 21 years? 22 years? Wow. It's depressing. That's, That's too much. much. Yeah, that is a good chunk of time. That's my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Think about that. I don't want to think about anything. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Fair. That's very fair. Um, yeah, I do miss, like, going outside, and we were hiking for a bit before I decided to, like, just completely self-isolate, um, because I didn't feel right about, like, going out and doing stuff and then coming back to a house where there's a baby, but I felt even less right about going and just staying in my apartment in Long Beach and not seeing my family at all. Yeah. So... Here we are. Um, those hikes were super nice. They got to, like, Debo and Sitch got to come see Chino Hills and, like, where I'm from. And um, the state park, luckily, was super pretty and green when we went out. Normally, it's, like, dry and brown and dead. But hmm. Sitch was very impressed with the landscape and the scenery. And then um, last week, we went to a place in Orange. So that would have been last Sunday. And did, like, a short hike and then hung out and read for a little bit and then just, like, went back to Long Beach and chilled for a while. Um, so it was a good, like, kind of end note for my yeah. time with them, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I miss them a lot. I actually am surprised by how much I miss playing Ultimate and, like, being active. And I think it's more the community that I miss unless. less... Yeah the actual playing but that's something that I realized like I went to a park and like through with my brother-in-law and I was like wow like this sport is done for me right now and I was like a little bit emotional about that which shocked me um yeah that's that's been me just kind of taking it day by day I haven't even thrown an ultimate disc in at least three weeks. This might be the longest stretch of time I've gone without throwing an ultimate disc since I started playing ultimate. That is actually pretty shocking. Cause there's like, I mean, I guess I could try to get Lotto or Devo out to a park and just throw, but that right now even feels sketchy. Mm-hmm. Um, I've played disc golf multiple times. <laughs> I haven't played in over a week now. I'm intending to not play again for a while. Um, but yeah, it's weird that I haven't thrown an ultimate disc. Hmm. So it, it'll be Nobody interesting knows. when everything starts up again and I'm just going to be terrible. Hopefully I'm not <laughs> terrible. Hopefully things are okay if we have a pro season and I can actually step on the field and not embarrass myself. <laughs> but, I mean, I feel like if everyone is, like, in the same circumstance, then 
maybe just like the entire like league's ability will be lowered. It's definitely not. If you <laughs> if if anyone out there is following the Aviators or the AUDL or these other teams or the people in our group meet, like people are going out and doing work and I just do not have that motivation. Hmm. And it's not great. I need to go out and do it. the rain gives me an excuse of like, well I can't work out in the rain. Um, <laughs> but I really do when it clears up again, I really do need to get my cleats and just go out in a field and run around because mm-hmm. this is this is bad news. I haven't been on a scale in two weeks and I really don't want to. Kind of like your attitude about school. Like I'm, I know that eating all this food and just sitting here is not good, but I'm putting off the results of that until later. Mm-hmm. If you don't look at it, then it's not a problem yet. Exactly. It's totally <laughs> fine. It's totally fine. Is it? So, I mean, no, but you know, it's okay. We'll get there. Um, so the last thing you mentioned was ultimate. You want to talk about your athletic background and how you ended up here in our wonderful community playing this awesome sport. (laughs) This awesome sport that you love so, so much. That I, it's just so dear to my heart, you know? Um, (laughs) (laughs) so I grew up playing soccer. Um, which I think you already knew, but I played yeah. for, I think, a total of eight years. Um, I quit my sophomore year of high school because I was playing soccer and then also running cross country slash track for like the high school seasons. Mm. And it just, I didn't have the energy to do both anymore. Um, like I would be going from a full day of school and then like a two hour cross country practice, like go home, eat something and then go to like a two hour soccer practice. And it just started to like, I stopped liking either sport. So I let soccer go, which you chose just running over running and kicking a ball. Yeah. I don't know. So my soccer team, like, at the time was at, like, a weird transition where our coach had quit and then a lot of the, like, veteran players had left the team. Mm. And we just, like, were not – like, my last season of club soccer I did not enjoy because we were not the same team that we were, like, when I started. And we were, like – we would lose every single game. Like, I would cry on my way to tournaments because I didn't want to go. Like, it was bad. Oh, man. Um, so it was, I guess, easier to let go of soccer than go find a new team. Yeah. Um, which I kind of regret because I miss soccer a lot. And then that's, I guess, kind of how I found my way into Ultimate. Um The reason that I ever came to a practice, though, was I was roommates with Tetra, and she and Crash Crash were buds, so he was, like, hanging out at my apartment and made me pinky promise him that I would go to one of the (laughs) ultimate frisbee practices because Tetra had been trying to get me to come out, and I would say, like, yeah, yeah, I'll go, but then I would go meet my friends from intramural soccer and like play soccer with them instead of go to practice. Yeah. And then, yeah, he finally, so I like joined like after, I think I was like the second to last person to join my rookie year. 
Um, but that was, yeah, that was Crash's fault. I, I did not know that Crash was responsible for, uh, <laughs> yeah. Reese is Crash's fault. That is. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good line. <laughs> yeah, that one's on him, but he like made me pinky promise and then he, I was like, yeah, I'll go to the next one. And I didn't go to the next practice. And then he like showed up at my apartment after practice and was like yelling at me for not going. And I was like, okay, like, I'm never going to get out of this. So I guess I'll go to a practice. <laughs> and then I just kept, kept like coming back. Um, but the reason I say that I'm like the complete opposite of Stitch in our ultimate experiences and careers is that she like, obviously like, she's crazy good now. She loves ultimate so much and like is also like very close with the community. And we, like, started at the same time, but then I started and immediately got injured. I, like, dislocated my kneecap playing soccer, of course, and then felt like I just wasn't, like, developing as a player, and I'm not patient. Like, I think she has, like, the patience to, like, grow and learn and, like, put the work in, and I was like, well, this sucks, and then, like, just kind of checked out of it a little bit, and then came back my next year. So this was my sophomore year of college, so I came back my junior year and then um I don't know there's a couple concussions like sprinkled throughout this and I don't know the timeline isn't great but it was like just consistently like I was always like finding these excuses to like not invest in ultimate and like be that dedicated to it um but yeah I think like my takeaway from it is just like the friendships that I've developed and the people that I've met because I don't think that I would have like I mean obviously I wouldn't know these same people but I don't know that I would have like as close like connections and like enjoy that aspect of it if I like wasn't part of this community because I think ultimate people are a little bit different from (laughs) most normal people to put it politely Uh, yeah to put it politely um but yeah so that's like kind of my connection to it or like the thing that keeps me coming back is the community it's less the like drive to improve and play because I'll show up to pick up but then just like try to play as little as I can because I just want to hang out with everybody (laughs) (laughs) which you get a lot of crap for from uh some individuals yeah, um, <laughs> some some really tall people really like to yell at me for not playing. <laughs> You're but, out there, you know how to play, get on the field. <laughs> the people around the field like I do. Yeah, there's also that, like, kind of block, I think, because I think the Long Beach community has a lot of really good players. So then I, like, show up to a pickup, and I'm like, oh, like, yeah, I'll play. And then I watch everyone doing really well, and I'm like, I don't want to play anymore. Um, (laughs) instead of like showing up and being like oh if I play with these people I'll probably improve a lot I'm like "Mm, you guys have fun I'll just watch you I that psychology actually interests me a great deal um because in my experience just playing sports in general the the times that I have been most excited or like, yeah, just chose to try to step my game up the most or really want to be on the field or on the court 
is when I see the best players doing what they're doing. Like one of the best games I've ever played in my life was in club 2011. I was on Renegade and we were playing against double wide. And at the time, double wide had Brody and Kurt Gibson and a couple other like double wide is one of the best, was one of the best club teams in the country. Mm -hmm. And so like one of our first or second defensive point, I was on the field and I was guarding Brody. And at the time I knew him, um, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, Smith is one of the most well-known ultimate players. He was one of the most talented players. He had a couple major injuries that messed him up and took him out of his pro career and club playing career. Um, but he did a lot of trick shot videos and that's what got him to popularity. Um, anyway, so I got to know him when he won the college national championship, but like being on the field in that situation, like knowing that he's a great player and at the time, like knowing that he was some, he was somebody I knew, it just made me step up. It made me want, like, I wanted to outplay him. I wanted to show all these guys on this other team that like, yeah, we're some scrub team from LA, but I am going to do whatever I want in this field and you aren't going to stop. <laughs> like, like that was my mindset going in. The same thing happens when I'm playing basketball. Like, Every time I play a pickup game of basketball, I believe that I am the best player on the field or on the court. And if someone else shows up and does something that I'm like, oh, dang, like, they're really good. They might be better than me. I go, nah, I got to go out there and like <laughs> shut them down or prove them wrong. Like, that's so for me, I mean, it's probably a little different if I were to go out and do that, I don't know, playing soccer knowing that I'm not good at soccer I but I would like I personally would still want to be on the field and compete against them because I know that it would make me better so maybe maybe it's a lifetime full of being embarrassed and shamed on courts and fields and so like I'm used to losing and I'm used to be looking like an idiot playing at different times and I'm used to being heckled and having that called out so it's okay if I fail um because I'm expecting to fail so I don't know, like, that's where I'm at. Like what I'm curious what your mindset is. If that's been, if that's always how it's been, how you've just chosen to cultivate it. Like what, what goes into that for you? Um, I think it's, it's definitely like nervousness. Um, and I'm sure like fear of failure is a huge like role player in that. But, um, yeah, I think there's, like, been a pattern of it. Like, when I talked about, like, quitting soccer, I thought it was easier to just, like, go to cross country, which was a sport that I liked less than it would have been to go try out to for a new team and, like, push myself to do something different or, like, essentially try out for a better team because that's, like, what the real options were, like, in my um, area. Like, everyone around us, like, every club that I would have gone to was – like a higher like so there's for soccer it's like there's bronze silver silver elite gold and then like premier are the central like the tiers for club soccer Mm -hmm. um and I was a silver elite team which is like pretty solid like mid-level and then everyone around us was gold or higher so it was like either try out for a gold team which like looking back on it was attainable but I was so afraid to try out and not make it that I just didn't try out at all. Um, 
And then, yeah, with Ultimate, I think it's a confidence thing, like, just knowing that, like, I 100% am not the best player on the field. And, like, I don't know if I had, like, changed my mindset the first year that I joined, if, like, that would be different, but it's not. So <laughs> that's yeah. where I'm at. Um, and I think there's, like, a like, I put too much pressure on myself being, like, oh, if I mess up, then, like, I'm letting my teammates down instead of just, like, being, like, okay, I might mess up, but, like, I trust my teammates to, like, support me if I do or, like, not be mad at me if I do or, like, if they get mad at me, like, oh, well, everyone makes mistakes, like, laugh it off because I do have those moments where, like, I mess up and I'm, like, oh, dang, that sucks, but, like, that's more, like, in-game is if I mess up, like, while I'm playing, I'm, like, okay, just, like, shake it off and, like, keep your head up like there's been a couple instances where I get like very frustrated but that's like after like kind of like a beat down like if I'm already like mentally down um I'll just kind of like step off the field and be like I need to compose myself like I need space don't talk to me and like people will come up to try to talk to me I'll be like leave me alone don't talk to me (laughs) but then like I can like just flip the switch and like be back in the game after like a couple minutes but I think it's the, like, off-field mentality that holds me back a little bit, if that answers your question. Yeah, no, I think that that is relatively common for a lot of people, at least the on-field stuff. Like, we all we all handle our own failures differently, and we all have our own process to push ourselves or motivate ourselves moving forward from them. So whether it's whether it's the confidence to you know, laugh it off or just forget it and move on to the next thing. Or whether it's the like anger fueled rage of I'm pissed that I messed up. So I'm going to go out and do better. Or whether it's the depressed, like, I cannot believe I just screwed that up and messed it up for my team. And in any of those spots, there are ways like people can't, you know, it, it differs for us personally, whether people talking to us helps or hurts. And I too, am one of those people, like, I don't need you to tell me, I don't need you to tell me what I did wrong. I know what I did wrong. I don't need you to tell me to be better. Cause I expect to be better. Like, I don't need, I don't need outside commentary. I, you know, if you're going to bring a strategic thing over or something, then bring that. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't be like, Oh, it's fine. You'll get the next one or play better idiot. Like, it's none of that helps me. I am my biggest motivator and I'm either going to overcome it on my own or I'm going to be screwed on my own. But either way, in terms of my own motivation on the field, like it's one thing for a sideline person. If I'm playing D and some, and a teammate on the sideline is telling me what's going on and encouraging me like that fires me up. That gets me more into what's happening. But after a mistake or something, like, no, I know what I did wrong. I know how to fix it. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> leave me alone. Yeah. Whether I'm, whether I'm happy or mad, like, don't come over and let me initiate. If I want to talk about it, I'll talk about it. If I'm going to come vent about my mistake, then I'll come over and vent to you about it. Or if I'm going to laugh about it, then I'll come over and initiate it. But like, if you come over and talk about it, or if you make a joke while I'm angry, if you are angry while I'm laughing, then we're just both going to be upset after that interaction. <laughs> like yeah yeah so i i totally get that i don't know if jake has jake has insights with his running career and whether things like that happen you know with running for me it was very hit or miss with a day a good day or bad day where i had morale because 
there are some workouts where I just didn't want to do. So I gave a bad attitude, and you could just tell that the coaches didn't like that, and I felt like I probably shorthanded myself because of that, and that was a big thing for me. Like, there's this workout called 800 Breakdowns, which was 800, which is stupid. I should never have to. Because I, I ran the 100 and the 200. I should never have to run anything more than a 400. Because it's just dumb. So it would be an 8, um, a 6, a 4, and a 3. And that's a lot. Like, yeah. That's yeah. too much. <laughs> and so, like... If I hear that, I am going to complain, and, like, <laughs> my coach knew that about me. That's why the coaches never really voted me as captain, but I was, like, a people's captain. And so, like, <laughs> people expected me and, like, listened to me as a captain, but the coaches didn't acknowledge it. That's partly why, is because I just didn't have a good attitude when stupid workouts happened. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I was really good at pumping up my friends and stuff like that at meets when we actually had to run what we we're supposed to run. But when I have to do an 800 breakdown, I am the most unhappy person in the world. <laughs> there are many workouts where people would come up to me and talk to me, and I would just look them in the face and i go, not today, just don't. <laughs> there are many times where I, I remember having this poor behavior because I'm like, no, I, I am in pain. I don't want to speak to anyone until I absolutely have to. That was my career. <laughs> and I'm kind of well, the I mean, same way still. <laughs> I mean, because running running's a little different in that it's so individual. Yeah, you're part of a team, but your own personal success is based on your own personal effort. Yeah. Right, like in basketball and ultimate and team sports, you can't be successful as an individual without the help of your team. So like, you running whatever speed you're going to run at 100 or 200 in whatever time you're going to get is entirely dependent on how you perform. Yeah. But me being able to score, me being able to get an assist, me being able to play good defense is entirely dependent on somebody else doing their job too. And so, and because you know that somebody else's job is entirely dependent on you doing your job. Yeah. So it's one thing if you, have a bad run that doesn't affect whether the next person has a bad run but if i do something poor on the court or on the field that affects my teammates ability to also perform well so that's one reason why i chose track over any other sport too is so that way i don't both people making mistakes because <laughs> that was one of my big problems when i played football was when a teammate like lets someone go on the left side and he goes and scores and like so like that, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, you're an idiot. I could have stopped him. But like, <laughs> so that's one reason why I did an individual sport. <laughs> because I like winning. And I like it when the pressure's on me, not necessarily someone else. Yeah. Sports-related. Life-related, not so much. Please don't get me wrong. <laughs> Sport-wise, I'm all for it. That's why it... <laughs> And also, in team sports, I like to challenge bigger people than me. That's why Jake Palmer gave me a concussion. Um, playing a made-up game. I could not move. You Tell the story. Even oh. though it's probably been told on here multiple times. but I don't know if it has in like full detail. I have All never right, heard well, it, so full well, detail, go. 
So we made up this game at our summer camp. It was our CA training, which is just a weekend we go up there, and it's kind of like a training weekend, a lot of fun. And so, like, during the day, we have, like, four or five hours of free time. And so what we did was we invented literally a game of Quidditch without having to hold something between your legs, which <laughs> helped a lot. Um, so we pretty much were, like, it's like a, it was like a combination of handball and soccer, really, because you'd throw the ball into a goal, and there'd be a goalie blocking kind of thing. And so we were playing that, and Jacob had the ball, and I wanted the ball. And for some reason in my mind, I was like, I'll go low because this is going to be the right way to do it. And then I took his kneecap to my forehead. <laughs> and I all I remember is just laying there for like five minutes. And then during kickball, I just put a chair on the outfield and sat there the entire game. <laughs> <laughs> After taking like four aspirin, just dying. Oh, my gosh. We had fun though. We we played well, but I I died. <laughs> that was I think the first time I ever come clo- come close to a concussion. I don't know if it was a real one. It was close. And I it hurt. I didn't get scars that time, but it hurt. I mean, I'm sure it was at least a mild concussion. I've had multiple mild concussions, and it does just it disorients you a little bit. It takes away your drive a little bit. You're content to just. You know you're supposed to want to compete, but you're can't you're content to just kind of sit there and let everything happen around you. <laughs> yep. Your brain's like, you know what? You probably should just sit here. <laughs> like, yeah. Like I know I'm supposed to go do this thing, but I don't really want to. Your brain's just like, how about we don't? We'll yeah. back to it in a while. <laughs> if it comes close, we might react, but just, like, drink some water. Like, like, we'll make that decision later. <laughs> but also, so, yeah, So with Reese, we have this running joke where she is an idiot. Oh, that's yeah, real funny. <laughs> hey, the way we do, the way we refer to it, it is. Except I don't remember how it started. I do. Oh, good. That's that's why I said that because I was hoping you did. That way it's not just me running around calling you an idiot all the time. Um, yeah, it started at Sandwich Day at UCLA. I think oh. not up? this year, but last year maybe. Um, yeah, during, was, yeah, because it was because I don't think I went this year. Oh no! And, you, yeah, um, Scheme did not go to Sandwich Day, so it was when yeah. When men's ultimate at Long Beach State was still the stalkers, but um, yeah. I was like walking, and I think you tried to throw a disc to me, but I wasn't looking, and I kind of just like knocked it out of the air and then kicked it like <laughs> on the ground. Like I wasn't, I was wearing like sandals, like I wasn't gonna do any damage to it. And you said, "You're like, okay, idiot, don't treat my disc like that." And then <laughs> that was it. I get yep, that sounds like something I would do. <laughs> I don't know Straight why bullying, you huh? kept calling me idiot, but <laughs> you did. Nickname stick, apparently. It's not it's not a nickname. Like I don't I don't walk around and just say, Hey idiot. Like that's not <laughs> it's just it like comes, it comes up in moments. Like if there's if she does something that I think is funny or stupid or whatever, then I would 
then that's when it pops up in the same way that like Debo is like head of the chuckleheads. Like I'm only allowed chucklehead is a phrase that I used relatively regularly when, you know, if I wanted to say something negative about somebody, I would just call them a chucklehead. So I called Debo a chucklehead once and it kind of stuck. And then he heard me call somebody else that and he was like, no, 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 I am the only chucklehead. I was like, oh, okay. So like that kind of became the thing that Debo is the chucklehead. So, so if Reese does something that I deem, you know, not super smart, she's an idiot. And if Debo does something likewise, Debo's a chucklehead. And that's just. That's One just is significantly nicer than the other. <laughs> but the difference is that Debo's a chucklehead like all the time. Like you don't refer to him <laughs> that way all the time, but. If you spend any amount of time with him, he'll do at least one thing that's, like, chucklehead-worthy. I think idiot <laughs> moments are a little bit more rare. Yeah, yeah, I don't, like I said, I don't call you that that often. It doesn't happen frequently. Right. But it happens enough that it comes <laughs> up. <laughs> yes. So, gear shift. Um you're at school or you're doing school stuff. You're studying environmental science and uh, policy. Is that one combined major? Yeah. So um, Cal State Long Beach has it set up where the entire major is environmental science and policy, but there is a um, bachelor of science track and then bachelor. Oh, I can't say bachelor of arts track. Um, and I'm on the BS track. So my major is more geared towards the science part. There's like a little bit of policy sprinkled in, but I am not as interested in that aspect of it, which I guess I should be because that's the more important and effective aspect of the major, like socially. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so I'm like, the difference between the two is that I take a lot of like bio, I've had some chemistry, a lot of geology, and then the other side is more like economics, and then actual environmental science and policy classes, and then like law, and that kind of thing. So Did, did you know that's what you wanted to study coming into college? No. Actually, I so I started out in that major and just never changed. And that's not like a like a oh like I don't want to do this and I didn't change it. But I applied to schools my senior year for um, psychology majors, and a lot of them were super impacted. And then I looked into how much schooling you actually need in order to make money with a psychology degree. And then decided that I didn't want to do psych anymore. And then um, this was like mid application process, I think. So I wasn't like locked into anything with psych, but then I had changed it for a few of my applications. And then um, the reasoning was just that like I had always been interested in like the ideas of like conservation and I had taken um the AP environmental science class and like was really interested in that and cared about it and had just always like been in the conservation mindset. Mm -hmm. So it seemed like it just like a good fit. And then we were also like, well, maybe like it'll be a growing job field when I graduate. 
Um, I don't know <laughs> if that's true anymore, but yeah, that's how I ended up here. So what do you remember what initially sparked your interest in conservation and that kind of stuff? Like, was there, were there programs at school? Were there field trips? Were there documentaries? Like what, like what age were you when you knew that was something you were passionate about and what pushed you in that direction? Um, I mean, the only thing I can think of in like elementary school, they had these like water conservation assemblies where they would bring in these like actors pretending to be pirates and they would like tell us how to save water because we live in Southern <laughs> California and we're always in a drought. So there's that. And then just like, I don't know. I feel like I always just cared about like the environment in general, like I was always just, like, interested in, like, protecting and, like, caring about things. I wasn't ever, like, there was never, like, a specific thing that I was, like, oh, this is super cool and interesting. Like, I'm going to pursue this and be passionate about it. I think, like, it was always something in the back of my mind. Like, we would go camping and stuff growing up. Um, So I wasn't, like, disconnected from nature, but I wasn't also, Mm -hmm. like, super nature girl like just always outside playing in dirt and stuff like I don't know it just was something that I always cared about is there a specific area that you focus on or like as you're studying it is there one like because I I don't know right I know (laughs) yeah the world's a big place and there's a lot going on and there's a lot of things wrong with it physically and so there. So is there like one particular area of interest that sticks out to you? Is there one direction that you're looking to go? Like, what does that look like? Um, so me personally, I care a lot about um, conservation, which is just like preserving natural resources and areas and keeping them natural and healthy. Um, so one thing that, throughout my experiences like at Cal State Long Beach which like classroom experiences and also like some volunteer work is the idea of actual like restoration so there's um in Long Beach there's a couple of like wetlands and stuff that have been like badly polluted um just because of human activity and like not being protected mm-hmm. and then there's also a lot of like invasive plant species which if you don't know what those are I can explain a little bit (laughs) (laughs) yes no maybe sorry I put my phone on mute to cough and then I tried to unmute it three times and it kept not doing it yes (laughs) please explain invasive plant species because I feel like that's something I feel like it's something or the entire the idea of and invasive species in general is something that gets brought up, whether it's plants, animals, whatever, but it's not something people understand. I'm not going to pretend like I understand it. I'm, I think I get the concept, but in terms of like practical information that, you know, you can relate or not relate, but, um, whatever, give to other people. I think that would be useful. Okay. So an invasive species is, any species, whether it's like plant or animal, that comes into an ecosystem and outperforms the 
native native species there which are the things that already live and like are naturally there um and a lot of invasive species can be introduced by human activity so like when we like came to america and colonized we brought a lot of like animals and disease and lots of other fun stuff um but then one of the things that we also brought were plants and then sometimes there are plants that like aren't even intended to come here like they can be seeds that are stuck on like animals fur and that kind of thing um so they come into these natural ecosystems and will outperform or outcompete um what already lives there for resources like water sunlight space um and essentially kill off those species just by doing better than them but they're what's an what's an example of that that people would be able to be like oh that that's a plant or animal i've heard of that is a situation that i can visualize and understand um i think in southern california wild mustard is a super common one they're like um kind of so they're they're bright yellow flowers when they bloom but they're not like they're more like just little like balls of flowers i don't know how to describe it like without a picture if you're listening just look it up on your phone right now wild mustard um so that will like come in and it like just chokes out the plants that already live there and then a lot of them are not like they're not food or they're not what the animals that live there eat so they have the potential to disrupt entire ecosystems and like harm more than just the like natural plant species that they're pushing out it can like just change like the face of a whole ecosystem like up to the point where it's like disrupting like how like water flows in that area like it's i don't know it's hard to conceptualize um sometimes but basically they can they can come in push out natural plant species there they can endanger animal species because they're not like the right food for those animals mm-hmm. and then that can cause like a cascading effect where then like the predators that eat those small animals that would have eaten the plants now also have no food because all of the small animals have died off yeah so it yeah, just it's a domino effect yeah um so, so how do you go of, about how do you go about researching that or acting on it like it feels like once something like that starts it's hard to stop it because you have to figure out how it started and then how do you reduce the damage how do you alter the effects that it's having so that is what the concept of restoration is um you can go out into a field and i've actually gotten to do this with some of my classes so you like go out and you can take transects to figure out like what um plants are actually there and you like it's already pretty well known just based on past research like which species are natives and which are invasives mm-hmm. so you can go like basically assess the health of an area based on how many like the the percent cover of like an invasive versus a native plant um and then the restoration work is literally just going in and removing those plants like pulling them out so it's essentially gardening like these things are just basically weed <laughs> on a much more informed grander scale right 
Um, so yeah, you can, you honestly can just like remove those. Some um, projects entail like replanting the native species. So like there's like one side of the project where you're removing the invasives and then another side where you're like growing the natives. Like usually um, you'll grow them like potted or something and then bring them to that place and plant like the more mature plants. Um, and then that kind of things will naturally bounce back like once that happens, because unless like unless a species has completely gone extinct in that area, like there's still some there. And if you recreate like the natural ecosystem that they're going to thrive in, then they'll start to like occupy that space again and yeah. their like population will increase and then that'll restore the health of the overall ecosystem. So what would a career in that look like? What are you intending to do once you graduate? I mean, I know you said, you know, hopefully there are jobs, but what <laughs> what does a job even look like? Is that is what you're describing, the work you're describing, is that a paid job through organizations that you can actually do and, and succeed in and be able to, you know, sustain yourself for a <laughs> lifetime? Or what is what does that even look like? So that job does exist um it would be through like a nonprofit. so there's like um friends of the colorado lagoon there's another organization called title influence um that both do work like protecting specific areas so that's like the actual like weeding and pulling and like replanting is normally done by volunteers but then there's the actual planning that goes into it. And that is a specific job. I don't know what the pay is like. I would imagine pretty low since it's a nonprofit. Um, yeah. But for where I'm at in my life, like I don't need to go buy a house. I'm not trying to support a family. Like I just kind of have me. Yeah. So as long as I can pay for a place to live and food to eat and maybe ultimate if I want to do that, then yeah. I think like, I think I would be okay. And it's like, it certainly is a better job than working part-time. Um, and it's something that I would like be passionate about and like actually care about, mm -hmm. but I don't think that that is like a long-term career type job. So that's going to be interesting to navigate. I don't quite know like what I want to do long-term. I know right now, like restoration is kind of the thing that I really care about, mm -hmm. but maybe that will like lead into some more long-term interesting, like I'll find something or meet somebody that I'm like, Oh, this is actually really cool. Like maybe I'll look into that career wise. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think in environmental science, there's not a ton of money but there's a good amount of passion, which is what I care about. And so with a nonprofit situation, they're relying on donors, they're relying on grants, stuff like that. Yeah. So nonprofits are, are pretty much grant funded um, donors. I, I like, couldn't like break it down and say like a percentage or anything, but I think donors yeah. are a significantly less um important form of income for them but yeah. a lot of like 
like companies will try to like be eco-friendly or green by like creating these grants and giving them to organizations like that especially that do restoration work um which is cool because segue i currently work for rei in their retail stores and they give a ton of money to like local like organizations like that through grants so the job that i'm doing now is like kind of connected to the job that i want to do in a weird like backwards way but so I was thinking that, as you mentioned that, it makes sense that REI would want to preserve the wilderness because they exist for people to go explore the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Um, but that also, part of that is also counterintuitive because if you have people like me exploring the wilderness, I'm pretty sure I'm ruining it. <laughs> and so someone like me would show up to REI and say, give me what I need to go out and do this. And then I would go out and screw stuff up, which would require the grant that they're providing to go fix what I screwed up. But they allowed me to screw it up because they sold me this stuff. This is like a weird cycle. Yeah, I think that you might be giving yourself more credit than you deserve as far as screwing things (laughs) up. Because it takes a lot of, like, foot traffic of people coming into a space and, like, messing it up. Um, And, like, as a person as an REI employee, um, I would recommend to you that you, like, when you go out and do things in the wilderness, like, stay on the trail, don't pick stuff up, don't take random plants and, like, bring them somewhere else, like, there's, like, the whole, um, what is it, leave only footprints, take only memories, or take only photos, or whatever people have changed it to, um, yeah, so I'd like would say keep that in mind. Be careful, don't like kill anything while you're there. But generally if you're one person, even if you like go like set up a tent in like a patch of bushes or something, like you're not gonna completely disrupt an entire ecosystem. Like you'll be like an annoying like pest to everything that lives there for whatever <laughs> amount of time that you're there, but then yeah. you're gonna leave and things are gonna return to normal. Okay. That's a good, that's a good public service announcement to whoever (laughs) is listening because I'm not going to be that person. I would not actually go into an REI and buy stuff and go on a wilderness excursion. That is not my personality or passion (laughs) or desire. So I am not that person. (laughs) I go outside plenty. I just don't go outside into nature. Um, but that's good for, I think that's good for other people to hear. Um, if they have those type of interests. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're you're in a spot essentially where this is what you enjoy this is what you're passionate about this is what you care about right now so that's what you're investing in and whatever the future holds like you don't have a set plan but you're open to what opportunities lie in front of you whether they continue down this path or move in a slightly different direction yes that's a really good way of putting it cool um <laughs> one other topic that I did not discuss with you, but I mentioned briefly earlier that I find very interesting is your uh, Twitter presence. <laughs> um, because, I mean, so I did say that you are one of my favorite people to follow on Twitter, and that has multiple reasons behind it. But I think you, you 
this is going to go a deep dive into Twitter. So we'll see what people, if people care to listen or whatever. Um, but I think you utilize Twitter in a really cool way and a lot of different ways. Um, so before I like give my own thing about it, like what, why, I guess the simple entry questions are, why are you on Twitter and what do you normally use Twitter for? So when I'm on Twitter, it's probably because I'm really bored. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Like I don't like sit down and be like, I'm going to be on Twitter today, but I go on it every single day. Um, When I'm not tweeting, the people that I follow are generally just like funny people. Like I don't use it to like stay updated on news or anything like that. I'm not like, oh, like, I'm interested in this topic, so I'm going to follow that. I'm like, this person says funny things, so I'm going to follow them. Um, yeah, and that's pretty much it. Like, there's people that I follow because I know them. There's people that I follow because I don't know them, and they're really funny. And then there's people that I don't follow. <laughs> so that's, yeah, that's why I'm on Twitter. I don't, like, have... I'm not super intentional about the way that I use it. So for you to say that I am one of your favorite follows is like kind of really high praise because I'm like, I'm just going to tweet this because it's in my head and now it's on the internet and you can all have it. Um, It's also, I'm definitely going to talk to Lotto about this or about that comment because he has followed me and unfollowed me on Twitter at least two times now. Because he I does have? not like my no. tweet sheets. Lotto has. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he just does not. I don't know. He doesn't appreciate it, but <laughs> I'm glad that somebody does. Because <laughs> here's here's where I'm coming from. Because I I give this Twitter rant whenever Twitter comes out. Because people, a lot of people are very inclined to be like, Twitter is stupid and pointless and whatever. And I think that you could say that about, you could say that about anything if you A, don't understand the thing or B, don't invest time into the thing. And so Twitter is one of those very rare things that you can manipulate it to get exactly what you want out of it. And so you said that you like don't go to it for news. You don't go to it for like important information. It is possible to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's not countering you. That's you have your preferred source of news. So, you know, we're different. It's just different there. But like, if I wanted specifically to just get facts and information and wanted sources for that, there are sources for that on Twitter. I could make my Twitter feed be just people and sites and organizations that provide good, accurate information all the time. And I could be receiving that. And that could be my Twitter feed. Or I could make my Twitter feed be 100% just funny comic people who post funny things and is there to entertain me. I could do that too. Or I could follow musicians and athletes and other celebrities and like have some insight into their life. Be that kind of person or be there to see when they're doing shows or when they're having performances or when movies are coming out or, you know, any of those things like, that for me, that's why I love Twitter so much. And literally all of those things are things that I follow. So my feed 
is a bunch of random stuff. I think it's more on Instagram than on Twitter, but Twitter specifically, like it is a really good place to just be like, I just have this thought on my mind right now and I just want to post it and just go. And it's not necessarily because people are like, no one wants to know what you had for breakfast. There aren't that many of us who go onto Twitter posting about our meals. Like that's not, you know, that's not, <laughs> there are people who not do that, really but that is not, yeah, that's not. I'm, I'm only sure going to do that now. Twitter communities. <laughs> but like, that's not, that's not the point of Twitter. The point of Twitter, like somebody like my friend, Nick, you know, Nick too. Um, he, Nick is one of the funniest, wittiest people I know. And I wish retro. retro. Yeah. Okay. And I, I have, I've told him this for a long time that out of all of the people I know, I wish he had a Twitter and I wish he posted his random thoughts throughout the day on it <laughs> because, because his depth of knowledge on so many things is crazy. And the, like just the funny, witty stuff he comes up with like it's brilliant and if he put that on twitter i'd be so much more entertained every day because of that right and there are there are millions of people all over the world who are like that where when they the way they encounter the world the way they observe things and react to things it is insightful and hilarious and that's <laughs> why twitter exists i want to be in on when people have observations and comment on it like that's that's what twitter that's the best essence of what twitter is and so like there are times when there are times you use it because you have had some life experience and you're reacting emotionally and and so there's a lot of times we're all like laugh with you you know not with you and where you'll react to something emotionally and i'm like oh man i feel bad for east right now like whatever it is. um <laughs> And so maybe sometimes, maybe sometimes people get a little too personal or whatever. That's, you know, the part of being emotional and just reacting and going. Some people should filter themselves before they go on Twitter. But like, that's <laughs> like, you are one of the people that give a full range of the Twitter experience. You retweet or comment on things that are funny. You retweet or tweet yourself things that are emotional. You do post stuff about environmental science. You retweet and comment on things of that nature. Like, you have a well-rounded feed. That's why I say that. There are multiple people that have well-rounded feed. Like, I don't actually follow that many people on Twitter, mm -hmm. but I am pretty entertained by my feed because I am receiving what I want to receive. <laughs> and so, like, yeah, that's just, that's why I wanted to throw that out there and hear what you had to say about it because I do think, in certain communities, Twitter is super awesome and held in high regard. And in other communities, people just hate it. Yeah. It's like, well, you you get to make it what you want. This would <laughs> actually be super useful for you if you fit it to what you desire. Yeah. Um, and so I, I wish more people did that. I wish more people were willing to. And, you know, obviously, I'm not a spokesman for Twitter. I'm not going to pay that, whatever. I just think. Twitter hit us up. When there is such a useful tool for our betterment, I think it is worth our time to invest in it and not just dismiss it because of what we think it might be. And Twitter, I think, is its own very specific thing that 
I think the world would benefit a lot more if used properly. Obviously, there are millions of people who are complete buffoons who only use Twitter to be negative and to be harsh and do all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wish they would not do that. But it can be such a source of positivity and encouragement and information and knowledge and wisdom um, if more of the right people were choosing to do that. But and you know maybe less of the president every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> Thus well, ends I'm, my political commentary for this. <laughs> I'm glad that my Twitter presence makes your Twitter experience better. Because I mean, not that I'm on Twitter like for other people, but it's nice to be validated a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, Twitter is. It's fun and it's like, it can be super goofy, which I really like, but then I also have like, like there, I have a little bit of, of not political following, not following. Um, some of the people that I follow are a little bit political mm-hmm. and their views don't always align with mine. So it's like, it's interesting to see like, how they think and where they're coming from outside of like the news like this is what x y and z groups are doing and this is why it's bad where it's like you kind of I feel like you get like a little window into like communities and circles that like you don't always get to see um and everything I read on Twitter it's like taken with a grain of salt I'm not like this is an extremely serious app and everything on here is true but it's cool to see like how many different things you can get out of it. And I'm glad that other people see it that way too, even though I'm on it mainly for entertainment and to just laugh at other people. But yeah. That's uh, my Twitter is at Katie underscore Drozd. If anyone wants to follow <laughs> it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so my I have my AirPod in, and my right one just died, and that had never happened to me before. So there's a weird sound that just happened. I was like, "What is going on?" And then the <laughs> sound started to come out of my phone. I was like, "Oh!" So switched AirPods. Um, can I just? I want to highlight a couple tweets that I just looked at from you because they're funny. Um, and yeah, this. <laughs> It's all public, so I feel like I'm not, you know, putting you on blast or anything. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. There's a couple retweets. One of the retweets uh, from March 25th. Bro, I'm so lonely. Can whoever has my voodoo doll tuck me in or cuddle it? <laughs> um, that's you, good. You, you guys had a Lord of the Rings night a couple weeks ago. <laughs> and... And you said, bro, low-key, Gollum, skinny legend. And then after that, and Sean Astin, king of wholesome. I'd die for Samwise Gamgee. And I'm pointing that out because I think Samwise also does not get nearly any of the credit. Literally, that entire journey to Mordor was 100% Sam the whole way. And, like, Frodo gets credit for being the hero, but Frodo wouldn't have made it anywhere without Sam. So, Yeah, um, Sam is the best he's my favorite I've never like I'm not super into Lord of the Rings like but he's my favorite because he's just like pure of heart and like just wants the best for Frodo 
and that makes him a hero to me. Yeah, he's he's the best. So yeah, um, because it came up earlier, you tweeted. All I understand about The Witcher is that it's a promo for wellness shots. <laughs> and I don't know anything about The Witcher, so I don't even know what that means. But it sounded funny. Maybe you so my my three episodes of viewing, like every time he goes into, because I also it, my understanding is that this series is based off of a video game. Well, yeah, originally a book. Okay. Turned into a video game that's like one of the biggest video game franchises ever. <laughs> okay, so I'm assuming that this is like part of maybe part of the video game that I'm assuming was also derived from the book, but every time he like goes into a fight, he like takes a little like shot of something. I don't know what it is because it hasn't been explained yet. And I don't know if it ever will be explained or if I'll ever get that explanation because I'm probably not going to watch it anymore. (laughs) But it's like before and sometimes after he like takes a little shot of something and my brain is just like, oh, that's a wellness shot. Like that's going to make him do better. (laughs) But it's like, what else can you relate that to other than alcohol? But you're not going to take a shot of tequila before you go fight a monster. So actually, (laughs) oh no. Don't ruin this for me. (laughs) You said you weren't even going to watch it. Are you just content to leave it at wellness shot and move on? It's fine. It's fine if I know the truth, I guess. So they are genetically enhanced as children to be, like, super good fighters and to be awesome. So half the time he's either taking sips of alcohol, which is very common in that franchise, or it is, um, like, they have potions and alchemy and stuff like that. Where if they're, he's fighting a certain kind of beast, he'll use that as like a draw that helps him fight that one kind of thing. That makes sense. It's but a lot of yeah. The potions and alchemy thing just brings me back to wellness shot. Yeah, so <laughs> pretty much it yeah. is a wellness shot in a way. Wellness shot, but like magic. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the last one, just because it also cracked me up, it was a retweet. It says, because everyone in Italy is quarantined, the natural wildlife has returned to the water and forests. We are the virus. And it's two pictures. And the first picture is a pizza out surfing or like on water. And the other one is a pizza like up in a tree. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that just entertains me a great deal. So if you are, yeah, if you're trying to be entertained on Twitter, go follow Reese. Um. Follow me if you want to follow along as I tweet about the movies I'm watching. Um, but, oh man. Jake, do you have any of your uh, fun questions? Um, sure. If, well, this kind of goes along with your major in a way. If you were trapped in a national park, what park would it be? Ooh. Is that like asking what her favorite natural park, national park is, or more? No, like because if- you have to think because some are better, more like some you can survive probably better. Yeah. Easier so which kind of which national park would be the best to survive in? That's that's a hard question. A lot of them have wolves. So we, we, we yeah, only, I was gonna say we for only ask hard hitting questions around here. And like, what is like, what is the nature of my entrapment like? 
can I go into a cabin or like a lodge or do I have to be like in the wild and survive? Yeah, like I'll give you a tent off. and like a a twenty by twenty foot uh tarp. With a tent and a tarp? Yeah. And maybe like two or three water filters. Have you been to many national parks? Do you have personal experience with them or is this based off of your just knowledge base? This is based off of my very limited knowledge base of national parks. <laughs> okay. I have been to Yosemite and Zion. Well. I think Zion could actually be the call, though. It definitely wouldn't be Yosemite because they have <sighs> bears and wolves. Yeah. And snow. That's what I was thinking, too. Like, that one has a lot of weather. You don't want to deal with weather. No. In fact, I don't think I've ever been to Yosemite. I haven't. Yeah, well. The only one really I've been to is the Redwoods up north. The Redwoods is beautiful. It was probably the best place I've ever been. It's I'm pretty just, sure I drove through them once. And it's literally indoor. So, okay. Um, I'm between Zion and Redwoods now. Yeah, I think the Redwoods would be a good one, except it gets pretty cold at night, but not, like, cold, cold. Yeah. Like, you're not going to freeze, but you're going to get chilly. I mean, that would happen in Zion, too, though. Mm. Zion has more water, but Redwoods has more, like, plants and stuff that I could potentially... Like, how long do I have to be here? What am I going (laughs) to eat? Let's say roughly three weeks. Three weeks, Redwoods. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> How long did you think? You only had to survive, like, two days? I don't know. I don't know what trapped means. <laughs> it's not that specific. Fair. Jake Jake needs to uh, recalibrate that question a little bit. No, I think it's, it's fine. A, well, um, it's a fair question, but <laughs> you have to expect questions in response for clarification. Yes. All right. Um, Redwood's final answer. Good answer. <laughs> if... You became an animal. What animal would you like to be? An octopus. <laughs> an octopus? Interesting. I Yeah, that's explained. So octopi are very smart. <laughs> They're super intelligent. Um, they have that camouflage. They're pretty solid hunters. And they have a lot of arms. Um, so that's fun. Did you know that they can fit anywhere their beak could fit? Yeah, they're like cats. Mm-hmm. I've seen like a lot of stories from aquarium employees where like there's one where they have they obviously have like a feeding schedule for all of their animals, including the octopi, and then they would feed this one specific octopus, and they would give him live fish. And then at some point they switched to like giving them like frozen or dead fish at night. And this person was like, they were like in management or something. So they were in an office working on something and a dead fish just was like tossed onto the (laughs) desk. And there was an octopus that had like escaped its tank and come in and been like, I don't want this. And then went back to its tank. And like got back in, and was just hanging out. That's, That's amazing. 
Animal Revolution, man. Starting with octopuses. Honestly, ah. I will become an octopus and lead it. <laughs> we don't have that science yet. <laughs> that is hilarious. That's so funny. Final question is, if you were... Mi- if you're musically talented, I don't know, maybe you are, what genre would you go into? I am not musically talented. Um, I think I would hope that I could be talented enough to be, like, rock and roll. Solid answer. I feel like all you have to do is just strum the guitar really hard over and over, and that'll work out. Mm, like um, for certain for certain areas of rock and roll i feel like you can get away with maybe that. for like punk yeah but like if you get into like metal and a good majority of like classic rock it requires a good amount of talent to be a musician I so like what type vocally, of vocally maybe maybe not but any other instrument, I would say you do have to have talent. Like, what kind of band would you want to sound like? What kind of group would you want to be? That is, that's a big question. (laughs) 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 Um, (laughs) Only big questions here. Only big questions. I don't know. I would want to be pretty versatile. Like, I wouldn't I would want, I would hope that my self and my bandmates are like talented enough that we could change up our sound without it being super like forced. Like I'd want it to still be authentic and just be able to like sound like whatever sounds good to us at that time. (laughs) Yeah. Big questions with big answers. Okay. (laughs) Uh, My, my other favorite question is one that Jake usually asks. Which fictional universe would you want to live in? <laughs> I don't know. What? It's I don't not know. a suitable That's answer. Not a answer. Maybe, so maybe Harry Potter, but like post Voldemort? <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Certainly not Marvel. <laughs> because you wouldn't want to deal with how crazy it is or yeah I, yeah it's just <laughs> there's just too much going on in that one <laughs> but like at least in like in harry potter it's like they have a, an established society and everything like kind of makes sense yeah it's and like Voldemort, there seems to not be much danger yeah eh. Okay, <laughs> there is not this overriding evil that everyone is constantly afraid of and aware of. For now, probably. <laughs> for now, probably. I mean, but that's just like regular life. Like for now, we're generally okay, probably. <laughs> yeah. Could change any blow in the wind. That's good. That's a good. Um. We'll just get out last question, but also still a big question. But last question before we move on to the rest of our exciting quarantine lives. Um, 
Who is somebody, real or fictional, that has made a really big impact on who you are and like how you approach life that is not a parent? You can briefly say, well, parents, obviously, but somebody <laughs> besides one of your parents. Hmm. I know I didn't prepare you with these beforehand, so yeah, I, I apologize. Feel, <laughs> I feel a little caught off guard. <laughs> <laughs> That's on me. <laughs> um, that's a that's a hard question too. Who's like to... one person that comes to mind real quick? It doesn't. You don't have to rope yourself into saying this is the person, but who is somebody <laughs> that you could? I mean, obviously my just parents. Make it, <laughs> just make it fictional so you don't hurt any real people's feelings. <laughs> but, like, fictional people haven't affected me that much. Um, oh, you don't read enough. <laughs> or she reads perfectly enough. <laughs> perfectly enough? How would you describe that? Not having to have a fictional character impact your life greatly. Oh, man. I don't know where I'd be without Dumbledore. <laughs> Probably the same place. False. I almost cried when Dumbledore died. I was in a almost car on a road I Okay, well, it's because I was on a road trip with, like, six of my friends, and I was reading the sixth book as we were driving. <laughs> And we literally, I read about it as we stopped to eat. And I was, I, clearly I was upset. My friends are like, what is wrong with you? I was like, you don't understand. I couldn't <laughs> cry because I was with, uh, you know, five other 20-year-old dudes. So I was just very despondent for a couple hours. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's my life. Okay, that's the way it works. I spent a lot of my younger days reading and being very invested in the books I was reading. That's fair. Um, I think one person would be one of my professors. Um, her name is Dr. Lily House Peters, and she. Sorry, I don't know if you guys heard that. <laughs> a little my bit. They just walked into the garage, and I'm assuming the dog did something bad. <laughs> but um yeah dr lily house peters she's just super smart and like empowered so she's someone that i look up to a lot she um worked pretty closely with me and a club that i was in to plan this like state of the environment conference thing um and she just like it's obviously like she was super busy, but she was like just 100 percent invested in like everything that she did, which is not how I am. But it is something that like I aspire to be like that passionate about the things that I'm involved in and to like find those things that like I'm passionate enough about to like when I'm there, I'm like fully present in it and like just like giving my all like at least in that moment like obviously you can't 100% of your life be 100% dedicated to a bunch of different things but mm-hmm. um she was very good at that and she was also just like super encouraging i had her for a couple of classes as well as like getting to work with her on that project um and she just like she's 
pretty young. I think she was in her 30s, or is in her 30s. She's not past tense yet. Um, <laughs> but she just, like, she didn't act like she had it all, like, totally figured out. But she was very, like, confident and put together, but still, like, allowed herself, like, a healthy amount of room to, like, still be a human person and make mistakes. Um, and that's, yeah, something that I would like to be at least on like a professional level one day. And like some of that could bleed into my personal life, but the like all these different tasks and stuff, I don't want to see my personal life as a series of tasks. Well, there you go. <laughs> that turned into a great big answer. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we are. Very thankful for you making time. You did kind of bug me about being on the show a bit. And so I dropped the ball on that for a while. So thanks for joining us. We very much appreciate it. Um, Jake, do your thing. Um, yeah. Thank you guys so much for um, tuning in and listening. Uh, today went well. I don't know why I said that. That was weird. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't normally say that. Um yeah, thank you for listening. That's uh, how well it that's how well it went, Reese. He felt compelled to say that it went well. Yeah, look at that. Good job. Um Yeah, thank you guys for listening all the way through. Um follow us on all of our socials, um at F R O M B O B S O F F I C E. That's from Bob's office. And yeah, have a great day. Stay safe. Um and stay in because it's raining. Well stay inside also because there's kind of a pandemic happening. <laughs> Just yeah. So, yeah, stay inside. And what is your walk your dog? Walk your dog because they get restless. That's about it. Supposed, supposed to say your name. Oh, I'm Jake Mathis. I'm Jacob Bomber. And I'm Katie Drozd. Have a fantastic day. <laughs>